Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning and a welcome to church this morning. And I'm so looking forward to enjoying Christ and seeing Christ in all of Scripture this morning as we look at the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16. So if you can open up in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 16, that would be great. We're continuing in on our uh, Bible reading plan for church. I made a number of hard copies if anybody would like a copy of that in the back. If uh, you've been already involved with our uh, church Bible reading plan, feel free to jump into that. And also, if you haven't uh, and you would like to get started with us, we would love to invite you into our church Bible reading plan, which is kind of flowing in sync with our sermon series, Seeing Christ in All of Scripture. And so uh, it's always good to just have a plan so that you can grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and we offer one plan. There's many good plans for Bible reading. Um, but if you don't have one, feel free to pick one up and we would love to just enjoy Christ with you in our daily devotionals. There's also a, on our church Facebook page, there's a devotional that, uh, goes up on our church Facebook page every day from the Bible readings. And, uh, those are designed to cause us to see Christ as well and to enjoy Him all the more. And so enjoy that. Um, first Samuel, first Samuel chapter 16 is our passage of scripture this morning. The title of the message is The Dawning of the King and Rise, Anoint Him. He is the one. And so let's look at first Samuel chapter 16, beginning in verse one together. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord, and invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sacrificed and he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Verse 6. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. And Saul's servant said to him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre. And when the evil spirit from God is upon you, he will play it, and you will be well. So Saul said to his servants, Provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. One of the young men answered, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skilled in playing. 
a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence. And the Lord is with him. Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me David your son who was with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey laden with bread and a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them by David his son to Saul. And David came to Saul and entered his service. And Saul loved him greatly. And he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse saying, Let David remain in my service, for he has found favor in my sight. And whenever the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. Let's pray together. Oh, Almighty God, we pray that You would touch our hearts this morning by the power of the Holy Spirit through Your Word. And help us, Lord, to see Christ, even as we look here at the dawning of the King and the anointing of King David by the prophet Samuel. Lord, what a glorious moment this is in salvation history. Because from this moment here, from the time David's anointed, the line of the Davidic throne begins all the way from this point, all the way into eternity future as your son Jesus is sitting on the throne right now and will return to bring us home so that we can can enjoy seeing Him face to face because of His death on the cross for our sins. And Jesus, we can't wait to see You face to face and enjoy watching Your rule in the New Jerusalem when we come home to be with You and You bring us home forever. We're so looking forward to that. Encourage our hearts this morning and uplift us. And touch our hearts with fresh passion for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to hit on three points this morning. The first is when grief goes too far. Secondly, the Lord looks on the heart. And thirdly, a man of good presence. Let's look firstly at when grief goes too far. Uh, In 1 Samuel 16, verse 1, we see a transition take place where the whole previous section in 1 Samuel 1 through 15 is basically about Saul and he's anointed king by Samuel. But then uh, Saul starts out well and is actually seen worshiping the Lord and making sacrifice to the Lord. But by the end, here in, in this section of scripture, he actually was seen making a monument to himself and really full of pride and desire for the approval and praise of men. He had rejected God and God had rejected him as king. And this really grieved Samuel the prophet who had anointed him and who had some sweet times, no doubt, of remembrance of installing Saul in as king. And it, it, it says here in 16 verse 1, How long, says the Lord, will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Now the Lord had already previously said to Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 13 in the passage we looked at that the Lord had rejected Saul as king and has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the man after his own heart here is seen in this chapter, King David, who was anointed for the very first time as king by the prophet Samuel. But before that happened, Samuel was grieving Saul's departure from following the ways of the Lord. He was grieving over Saul's disobedience and hardness of heart and stubborn rebellion against God. And the Lord looks down though and sees it and actually asks him, how long will you grieve over Saul? There's a principle here, brothers and sisters, I think we need to look at just by way of application into our own life as well as just seeing this in the prophet Samuel's life. It is good to feel the sadness over someone else's sins and to feel the effects of this fallen world and just the many sad things that transpire in relation to living in this fallen world. 
under sin. Um, if we're not moved, if we're not affected, if we're not grieved by what we see in the culture or even events around our own specific lives, loved ones who once seem to be following the Lord but who are now not, all those sorts of things are, are really worthy of, of, of genuine grief and prayer and brokenness before the Lord. But we read here in 16.1, it can, it can get to the point where it can actually hinder us if sadness over someone else's sins cause us to begin to become so low that we're unable to function and carry out our duties in serving the Lord the way we should. God determined to reject Saul as king. And so that should be good enough for Samuel to be able to move on after the appropriate time of grief to move on and be able to move forward with God's plan. We need to trust in the will of God above our own emotional impulses. For Samuel, the Lord is indicating to him here in this chapter that the time to grieve is over. The time to grieve Saul is over. And the time to rise up and anoint the son of Jesse has arrived. In doing this, we are to remember that God is not dependent upon any man to accomplish His purposes. Amen? If one man falls, God will raise up another. If men will not praise Him, Jesus said He can cause the trees and the rocks to rise up to praise Him. If the children of Israel boast, that they are children of Abraham, God can raise up from the rocks children of Abraham. God is not dependent upon man to accomplish His purposes. And there's something wonderful about that in relation to the hope that it should fill our hearts with. He's not dependent on anyone to get His plan accomplished. So Samuel, fill your horn with oil again in confidence and rise up and move on and move forward and go and anoint the son of Jesse that the Lord's soon to show you, King. Because one thing that Samuel couldn't see from this vantage point, but that we see now looking back from this vantage point in salvation history, is that Saul could never have been the one from whom the lion of the king of Judah descended from. Because he was not from the tribe of Judah. David was from the tribe of Judah. And so Saul is lamenting and grieving over the loss of Saul's reign. And yet, the Lord is wonderfully moving His plan into place simultaneously in this moment to bring forth the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the descendant of King David who is seated on his throne even right now. And so Samuel is is grieving over something that he really doesn't even need to grieve over because God's plan from eternity past has always been accomplished and will always be accomplished. And it should be a comfort to us to know that God is sovereign over all things and even over the painful developments in salvation history Since he knew Saul personally, he was grieved. But it was time to set aside that grief as the prophet and to go forward and anoint King David king. There's always hope with God, brothers and sisters. There's always hope with God. Men fall. Women fall. Man fails, but God never fails. Amen? So let us take heart in the midst of our griefs that Jesus reigns and is sovereign even over our sorrows. He Himself was the man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, so He can sympathize with us in our weaknesses and take heart that up from the ashes of the house of Saul, God raises up the house of David and brings His anointed One, the Messiah, our Savior, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, down to us through the line of David. And Jesus died and rose again 
And friends, when man sought to extinguish the light of the world, God raised him up from death again to shine all the brighter. And take heart this morning as you contemplate your own life that we serve the great God of the resurrection and let your heart be filled with hope. Even when things seemed darkest with the disciples in the upper room having lost their Lord and their Master thinking all hope was gone. The third day was coming. And Jesus was going to rise from the dead. And so even in the midst of their weeping and lamentation, the Lord's plan was moving forward. And the hope of God burned bright, even as the hope in their hearts grew dim. So in this fallen world, we see all kinds of things that rightly bring about grief out from our hearts. But let us never forget in the midst of them all that God is the lifter of our head. As Psalm chapter 3 says, and nothing can separate the true believer in Christ from the love of God. The finished work of Jesus has been accomplished and nothing, not even the weaknesses and sins of man at its worst, could stop God from accomplishing His good will. Hallelujah. Jesus reigns. Amen? So Samuel listens to him. He obeys. He rises up and he goes toward Jesse. Under the threat of his life, Saul had degenerated so far by this point that Samuel realized, if Saul finds out that I'm heading to Jesse in order to anoint one of his sons, the king, Saul will kill me. Saul had become so blinded by his own ambition and pride and was so determined to be praised and to receive glory unto himself that he would hold on to the throne by any means possible, even if that meant killing Samuel the prophet. And yet the Lord told him to go. And Samuel obeyed at the threat of his life. And so here this man rises up out from his grief and gets on going about the business of serving Jesus and serving God. And let us all do the same. It's okay for us to grieve and lament over the sad and difficult things in this world. But brothers and sisters, when I think about where is the line between when my grief goes too far over the sadnesses that I feel over things that have transpired under God's providence, to being able to rise up and embrace the new day and go forward in faith and in confidence in God and remember that God is sovereign over all that has transpired, but the Lord has good purposes in store for us into the future. There is that line. We must grieve, but at the same time, we must not allow our grief to stop us from rising up and going forward like Samuel and embracing the new day and embracing King David and trusting in Him. I uh, was thinking about over this past year, I had uh, a friend of mine from uh, Pastors College that when I when I went to uh, Pastors College a number of years ago, back in 1997, we, we, we talked about God together. We had good friendship together. And just over this past year, I learned that he had self-proclaimed himself to no longer be a Christian. It broke my heart to hear that. And every time I think about it, it can just sink my soul to ponder that that development in his life. It's good to grieve things like that. It's good to become saddened over things like that. But brothers and sisters, probably where it crosses the line to where grief goes too far is if I allow the sadness of things like that to sink me so low that I myself am not able to rise up and go forward and serve the Lord with confidence and trust Him that all is well and all is going according to His plan. And Lord, 
Let me step forward in confidence into the future with you. That's probably a good dividing line of where grief goes too far versus when I'm able to grieve and also move forward and trust the Lord and not allow my soul to sink to the point of inactivity. And this question that the Lord says to Samuel is such a good one and a relevant one. How long, Samuel, will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? And look at the Lord's command. Fill your horn with oil and go. It's so good to see that even in Samuel's broken and grieving state that the Lord is still about using Samuel. He doesn't give up on Samuel and say, I'm going to use somebody else and raise him up as prophet to go because you're grieving and you're low and you're broken and I can't use you anymore. No, it's so wonderful that even in our grief and in our sorrow and in our sadness, God's got wonderful things that He wants to do in and through our lives, brothers and sisters. Amen? And be encouraged that a broken and grieving servant of Almighty God, though he or she is walking with a limp and walking with a heavy heart, they walk in the same spirit of the man of sorrows, Jesus Christ, who was acquainted with grief and yet did not stop putting one foot in front of the other all the way until He accomplished the work of redemption on our behalf and cried out, it is finished. Oh, brothers and sisters, we are following in our King's footsteps. And if our King Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, we likewise in this fallen world will experience sorrow and grief Let us weep it out. Let us grieve. Let it have its full work in us. Don't repress it. Let it breathe. Let it out. It's healthy to cry. It's healthy to weep and to lament in this fallen world. Lamentation in the Psalms is an evidence of grace. It's an evidence of faith. Weeping upward toward God and crying out to Him is an evidence of salvation and grace. But then let us rise up and step forward into the new day and witness the dawning of the King of Kings here with the anointing of King David. And so that's point one. When grief goes too far, I hope that practically just applies to our lives. I hope it helps give a handle to each one of us that life in this fallen world is very hard. And Jesus understands that. And I hope that blessed you. Let's move to point two. The Lord looks on the heart. And so Samuel rises up. He goes to the house of Jesse. They have sacrifice there. He asks Jesse and his family to consecrate themselves. And they do that. And then in verse six, it's it's so funny. When they come into the house, Samuel the prophet looked on Jesse's oldest son, Eliab, and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The Lord looks on the heart. This is one of those glorious principles in Scripture that we have got to get through our minds as we see that even Samuel the prophet misjudged the situation. And when he saw the stature of Eliab outwardly, he thought, this is the Lord's anointed. Perhaps he was even remembering the days when Saul was anointed king and he was a head taller than all the rest and physically imposing in terms of his stature, and all of Israel loved that they had a king who had this kind of physical stature, and and yet the Lord rejected Eliab. And this is an important moment to remember. Men and women of the world judge other people by appearance or by other 
vain, superficial measurements. But church, God cares about what's inside of you. He cares about your heart. And He cares about mine. There are so many Scriptures to back this principle up that I just want to touch in on a few of them. Proverbs 4, verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life, or the wellsprings of life. Proverbs 4.23 says that the heart is the wellspring of life. The heart speaking of the inner man or the inner woman. That which rises up from within and, and the thoughts and intentions of the heart are what matter to the Lord. We are to keep our heart, keep our inner self with all vigilance. The world seeks to keep its outward appearance with all vigilance and doesn't focus and major on the heart. But we as Christians are called, as Scripture calls us to, to be men and women who care most about the heart and our inner selves to make sure they are healthy. And it is healthy while the world flows in exactly the opposite direction. Mark chapter 7, 21-23 says, For from within... Out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and they defile a person. So it's your heart that defiles. And it's also out from your heart that good works which please the Lord flow out from as well. Because God is actually going to judge our good deeds down to the very thoughts and inclinations of the heart. What matters is your heart. What matters is my heart. Springs of life flow up and out from the heart. And so brothers and sisters, when you think about your own life and your own soul, ask yourself even right now, what's your heart like? What's my heart like? When God looks inside and sees everything that is motivating you, everything that is driving you, is He pleased with that? You can hide a lot of things from the eyes of man. And you can cultivate a good outward appearance and be respectable in the eyes of men and men and women will praise you for that and think that you're great but we need to be concerned about what God cares about most which is our inner selves and do our thoughts and inclinations of our heart please Him moment by moment even when no one's watching that is what God cares about God looks upon the heart Man or woman may have many practical talents, but if their heart is far from God, they ultimately have nothing of eternal value. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. God cares about a man's heart before Him. How is your heart this morning with God? Are you walking closely with Him? Is there true repentance Or are you, like Jesus said of the Pharisees, a whited sepulcher or a whited tomb, which outwardly you look great, but inside you're full of dead men's bones? Brothers and sisters, Jesus had much to say about the importance of the heart. He said these people, speaking of His people Israel on the whole, they, they honor Me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. Brothers and sisters, I ask you personally, is your heart close to Jesus right now? Or is your heart far from the Lord? That's what matters to God. 
And that's what should matter to us for our own lives the most. Uh, What would it profit you to gain the whole world and yet forfeit your soul? Pay most careful attention to your life and your doctrine closely. Keep your heart with all vigilance, Proverbs 4.23 says. Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Seek to protect your heart from any defilement that would come and tempt you to drift slowly toward a love for the world or an embracing of sinful passions. Brothers and sisters, God cares about your heart. One other application related to this for us in relation to this principle is that as we look at other people and as we assess other people, let us look at their hearts. Again, man looks at the outward appearance. If you look at it very, very generally, what you have on a massive scale societally is you have blatant racism that flows where it's basically the very definition of looking at the outward appearance and making an assessment. You have no idea what's going on inside of somebody's heart, nor do you care. You just see something different outwardly and you judge it and you assess it based off of the flesh. Brothers and sisters, we as Christians should not be like that. We are to be men and women who look upon the heart of individuals. And like the Lord, we prize what is in someone's heart rather than the outward appearance. But also, brothers and sisters, we need to, as we look at our brothers and sisters in church, we need to look and see the very best of them in their hearts. See their heart for the Lord and prize and celebrate evidences of God's grace in their midst. Evidences where there's true fruits of the Holy Spirit flowing up from without and out from their heart and to praise them for that. Celebrate them for that and give glory to God for His work in their life. Let us be those who are heart inspectors and heart assessors and praise the works that flow out from a heart that's on fire for God above even the way we tend to look and judge by outward appearance. Brothers and sisters, let us like the Lord did with David, look not at the outward appearance, but look at the heart. It's so interesting that David wasn't even invited to this assessment. (laughs) He's out caring for the sheep as the youngest. He was disregarded and was not even in the room. And I, I just find it so glorious as we look at this second point that be encouraged by this by way of application to your own life and be comforted with this. God chooses the disregarded. I love that. He chooses the one left outside who's not even allowed in before Samuel the prophet to size up. Samuel's got to ask, do you have any other sons? As if all the sons that he already has weren't sufficient. He's got other sons in the field. He's got David out in the field and he says, look, I do have another son out in the field. And Samuel says, bring him in. And in comes David. And I just find it so glorious. And let it be an encouragement to you that God chooses the disregarded. He chooses the one left outside. He chooses the weak things of this world. The shame is strong. That's why you and I are here this morning. Not many of us were wise. He chose the weak things of this world, the shame is strong, in order that no human being might boast before Him. And not only did this pertain to the Davidic throne with King David, but also with the King of Kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the prophet Isaiah said that there was nothing in Jesus' appearance 
that we should desire Him. Most likely, if we were just to see a photograph of Jesus, you wouldn't look at Him and say, wow, that is an attractive man. Someone that everybody would want to flock to. There was nothing in His appearance that we should desire Him, Scripture says. Like a man, like one from whom men hide their faces, He was despised. Like one from whom men hide their faces, He was despised. Jesus knows what it's like to be disregarded. Jesus knows what it's like to feel like an outcast. Jesus knows what it's like to have nothing in His appearance that man should desire Him. To not be esteemed because we esteemed Him not. Jesus knows what it's like to come to His own people and His own people reject Him and hate Him even as He comes down from heaven to earth and takes on flesh like Tom reminded us this morning to save us. Jesus was unappreciated. And hated even by those He came to save. Man looks on outward appearance. But God looks on the heart. And brothers and sisters, may we be people who, when we look at our own lives, may what is in our hearts matter most to us. May we pay more careful attention to the health of our inner man than to our outer man. May we be those who tend carefully to our souls and guard our hearts so that we might grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and grow in inner beauty for the glory of God, for that is what God regards. Listen to this passage in Second Chronicles 16.9 and let it encourage your heart. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that He may strongly support those whose heart is completely His. Listen to that again. The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that He may strongly support those whose heart is completely His. I ask you from the text, is your heart, brother, is your heart, sister, completely His? Is your religion more than just an outward appearance and form of just going to church and meeting friends and trying to develop socially and looking respectable in the eyes of man, is your religion one of your heart being completely the Lord Jesus's? Coming underneath of His Lordship and saying, I will follow you, Lord. Embracing by faith His sacrifice on the cross for your sins. Being broken before Him in repentance. Allowing your heart to weep over your sins. You can't help but think of the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector where the tax collector felt so ashamed of his own sin that he kept his distance from the Lord and and actually said he carried such a sense of shame of his own sin that he wouldn't even come near to the Lord while the Pharisee made loud prayers outwardly before the eyes of men and the Pharisee would only say, Long, voluminous prayers that made him look good in the eyes of man, but the tax collector only from a distance would say, God have mercy on me. And beat his chest from a distance. God have mercy on me, the sinner. And Jesus says, that is the man, that is the woman who goes home to her house justified today. Her heart is mine. Her heart is relying solely on the finished work of Christ. And laying hold of Jesus and His good works. And is not boasting in his or her own. That is the man. That is the woman. Who goes back to their house justified. You see the Lord, He looks at the heart. 
he sees the Pharisee and all the outward mere religion that's lifeless and Jesusless. And he also sees the one who won't even draw near, but who keeps their distance and beats their chest and says, Oh, God, have mercy on me, the sinner. He sees the Pharisees drop their money in the offering basket. And then he also sees the widow's might when she comes and drops the very last of her livings in, trusting God completely. And Jesus says, that woman gave more than them all because she gave all that she had to live on. Jesus sees the heart. He cares about the heart. The heart should matter most to us in our own life. And brothers and sisters, we are to be men and women who look and assess people based off of their heart. And we should love and embrace people looking at their hearts. Let us be an example of this in our culture. And finally, a man of good presence. King David in 1 Samuel 16 is described later on here after he is anointed king. Samuel heard from the Lord these beautiful words. Arise and anoint him. For this is he. This is the one. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of the brothers. Verse 13 says, And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward, and Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. And so the King David was anointed, and right from this moment, stretching on into eternity, we will experience the ripple effects of the dawning of the King of Kings right here as David is anointed king and will later take on the throne of Israel. And the promise will be made to him in 2 Samuel 7 that your kingdom will have no end. Speaking all the way to the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. And I can't wait to get there together with you. But we learn about King David's heart here. Where in verse 18, one of the young men answered Saul, Behold, I've seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who was skillful in playing. Look at what's described of King David. A man of valor. A man of war, prudent, spe- prudent in speech, and a man of good presence. And the Lord is with him. That last category, the Lord is with him, is the one I want to draw attention to the most. Saul has, as it says in verse 14, the spirit of the Lord departs from him in terms of his kingly rule. But it rests upon now and comes rushing upon David, which is all that we need to know in terms of the favor of God on King David's life. He refreshed Saul in the midst of his being tormented by an evil spirit. It's it's so moving here to see the way it says in verse 21 that Saul loved David greatly and actually made David his armor bearer. The next chapter that we're going to get into in 17 is the story of David and Goliath. And I can't wait to read about David and Goliath together with you. I'm already fired up about that. But as we see this man of valor, before he fights Goliath, we see Saul loving David, making him his armor bearer. And you can't help but just think, oh Lord, if, if Saul would have only been humble, what might have been, before it all degenerates, And David was a blessing to Saul, playing the lyre, playing the heart for him, and being a means of grace and driving away the evil spirits away from Saul and bringing him times of refreshing. He was a man of good presence and a blessing to Saul. And brothers and sisters, just as we head into the close here, I just want to think about King Jesus, King David's greatest son. As I ponder the reality that God is going to judge each and every one of us, and pay careful attention here, He's going to judge 
He's going to judge us according to the thoughts and inclinations of our hearts. Aren't you so glad to know that God sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, who was the only King, who was perfectly pure, and had a perfectly clean heart, and who fulfilled the law of God perfectly, and was never given over to defilement, so that when He laid His life down on the cross, He was the pure, spotless Lamb, the one with pure heart, who chose to become our sin-bearer and take all of our impurities of heart on Himself, receive the punishment and the justice against our sins upon Himself on the cross. And God the Father has chosen... Please listen carefully to this. This is where I'm closing. God the Father has chosen to credit Jesus Christ's perfect purity. His perfect purity of heart to ungodly sinners like you and I, who by the grace of God have repented of our sins and trusted in Jesus. Do you realize that Jesus not only died for you, but He also lived for you? He lived the perfectly pure, perfectly pure heart life that you and I have not lived. And when we believe in Jesus, God the Father chooses to credit Christ's perfectly pure heart and all of that righteousness to our account and we are accounted righteous in Christ. We are justified. We are declared righteous so that we do not need to fear judgment day because when God judges the thoughts and inclinations of our hearts as believers, the robes of Christ's righteousness, His perfect purity will already be draped over us. And the judgment we will pass through as believers will be the judgment seat of Christ where when God looks and judges the thoughts and inclinations of our hearts, as 1 Corinthians 4 says, then each one will receive his commendation before God. This is a happy thought. Man may disregard you. Man may keep you outside the room. They might not even invite you in. Don't care about that. Remember this. God sees you. He sees your heart. He sees your service. He sees the things that you're doing in private for His glory and the prayers that you're lifting up for your classmates and for the people in your neighborhood. And He sees all of those things. And even if all the world were to disregard you and hate you, you've got a friend that sticks closer than a brother and you've got a judge who looks down and knows who you really are. And if you've trusted in Jesus, He sees you as His son. As His adopted daughter. And He also sees the good works that you do in His name in secret that no one else knows about. God looks on that heart. And when you get to heaven, faithful friend, faithful brother and sister, you're going to hear the happy words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Master. And all of your sorrows and all of your griefs will forever be put aside. And He will wipe every tear away from your eye. And the One who knows you better than anyone has ever known you or who ever will know you, you're going to get to see Jesus face to face. And that is going to be awesome, isn't it? I can't wait to get there to see him. Let's pray. Tom, if the worship band can return at this time, let's cry out to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, we ask that you would help us to be men and women who care most about the heart. Lord, while men and women and friends at school and friends in the neighborhood and friends all around regard the outward appearance. May we regard the heart. May we care most about the heart. Our own hearts and also as we look at the lives of others, may we see the good in the hearts of our brothers and sisters. And may we be filled with love and kindness, and compassion and gentleness and patience. 
Lord, as we think about You sending Your Son, Jesus, thank You so much that Jesus not only died for us, but He lived the perfect life that we did not live. And Jesus, when You died on that cross, not only did Your blood atone for our sins, but Your righteousness now covers us. Thank You. We want to praise You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Isn't He wonderful? Let's all stand and worship Him. Oh Lord Jesus, how can we thank You enough for laying Your life down for us on the cross? Thank You for the glimpse that we see of You in the Word today. The dawning of Your rule and reign as King David is anointed king. Oh Lord, You are the promised one who was to come. The seed of the woman who would come and crush the head of the serpent. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The Lion of the tribe of Judah. The one who will sit on the Davidic throne forever and ever as King of kings and Lord of lords. The one who will rule over the entire universe, the new heavens and new earth. The one who we will enjoy forever face to face. All because you came and took on flesh and shed your blood. And fulfilled all righteousness for us. Oh, we thank you so much, Almighty God, for being such a great Savior. We love you and give you praise today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. Have a wonderful week.